Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 330 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. You know the drill. Uh, let's dive straight into the review part of the show, as we always do. Then, of course, our, our special guest will come in. Our special guest this week is a man who really needs no introduction, Mr. Shakur Stevenson. Um, and then in part two, we will begin with the news part, as always. There's quite a bit, I think, of news to go through. Then the show will wrap up with the preview part. So, like I say, let's dive in to the review part here. We're going to start uh, with a card that took place on Saturday, just gone, Saturday the 5th, in Rixos Waterworld. It sounds a fun place. It's in Kazakhstan. Over here, top of the bill, a guy that we should maybe keep an eye out for now, a guy called Mirim Nusaltanov, who's now 16-0, and um, a fifth-round retirement win against Andre Sorokin, who's now 19-2 and with a draw. Obviously, Sorokin, a good fighter. Um, so to knock him out there or make him retire um, after five rounds, I think is quite an impressive win there. You know, so that's that's you know that's a guy we should maybe keep an eye out for. It was for the vacant WBO international middleweight title. Moving out now to certainly the biggest middleweight fight of the weekend, a huge one here in uh, in the UK. It took place at the motor at the Motor Point Arena in Cardiff, Wales, United Kingdom. This one, let's start just straight with the with the main event. Chris Eubank Jr. now thirty two and two, a unanimous decision win over twelve against Liam Williams. Now twenty three and four with a draw. Credit to Williams for taking this fight immediately after losing to Demetrius Andrade. This is you know this is his comeback fight, and it went it went badly for him. He was down four times, once in the first, once in the second, once in the fourth, and once in the eleventh. Um, I'm going to go through the fight here. The first round, I liked the way Williams was using his jab. I think Eubank Jr. was, you know, backing up in straight lines a lot, and Williams would just double up that jab. It was it was clever. That's what you do. Um, and he'd land, you know, nothing big, but they were landing. They were point-scoring shots. And then, what a nightmare for Williams. He walked into a jab. Down he goes. He got back up. Um... And he was genuinely hurt. He got hurt maybe two or three times uh, before the end of the round. And he was forced to hold on and hold on tight at, at, at seconds in that fight. He was in bad trouble. He barely got through the round. And it was a pivotal 60 seconds rest between the rounds. Round two, he comes out. He looked okay until he gets caught again. And, and down he goes again. Um... Again, not sure what was going on with him. He looked like he had no punch resistance. 
Maybe the head wasn't clear from that first round and he seemed to just be fighting on emotion as we've seen him do before. You know, game planless. And he was looking for some kind of success. He was biting down on the gum shield. I wasn't sure if he wanted to be on the front foot or the back foot because both tactics weren't working. He was being caught between the two. Um, the third round, a much better round for Williams. He seemed to get back to kind of settling down and maybe fighting to some sort of game plan. He looked a little bit more relaxed. And I wasn't sure he won that round, but it was more encouraging I guess from him um, round four down goes Williams again he walked into another jab he wasn't badly hurt but I felt he needed to stop following Eubank around the ring especially without his guard up so that's three 10-8 rounds at this point um, you know already it was looking like he's going to need to win every round or get a KO Williams it was terrible especially as this is his first fight back at home you know in Cardiff and everyone came out to support him every time he had any kind of success the crowd were going wild and he was I guess disappointing him, you know, to put it to put it frank. Um, round five, a much better round from Williams. Again, not sure it was enough to win the round, but certainly he had moments and he looked more controlled. Eubank, uh, you know, the entire fight at this point, and I guess really the entire fight itself, he looked cool as a cucumber, barely using up any energy. Roy Jones, I felt, would have been loving it um, through the first five rounds. Eubank doing a lot of posturing and taunting Williams. Um, certainly Roy, Roy Jones kind of style. Round six, definitely a Williams round, arguably two in a row. He, he arguably won, won uh, round number five as well. Um, definitely won the sixth round though. And I was wondering, could it be a turning point? Is it a little bit too late? Round seven, another round I gave to Williams. Eubank really seemed like he was taking his foot off the gas. It was weird because again, he hadn't really spent up too much energy at all. So it was weird to see him kind of you know, uh, throw less punches, be be less active. Round eight, arguably Williams' best round of the fight till that point. It was excellent to see him come back from the awful start he had. He was landing some nice jabs, landing some lovely straight right hands. And Eubank, again, just fighting in short bursts. And I was wondering, maybe he thinks he's nicking rounds, but he wasn't on my card. He wasn't on Sky Sports's card, who um, at that point had given Williams four rounds in a row. I think, what have I given him? I think maybe three in a row. Um... Round 9, a massive round for Williams. Best round of the fight for him. He was repeatedly landing big right hands on Eubank. Eubank, uh, you know, was being made to miss wildly. It was an exciting end we had on our hands for the rest of the fight. Round 10, a very close round. I liked what Williams was doing early on. I think Eubank finished the round very strong. It was a hard round to score. Round 11, I think Williams was, win was, was winning the round. And then he gets pushed down. It was definitely a forearm to the shoulder. And they counted it as a knockdown, which is a real shame shame and for me that totally messed it up for Williams winning the fight he needed a knockout in the 12th and final round he needed to empty the tank and you know risk perhaps walking into another big shot and being put away himself round 12 Eubank used the 12th round just to dance around um, he didn't do anything he was doing some kind of Ali shuffle it was a bad version of it um, and you know the crowd were getting frustrated Williams at one point just put his gloves down and just you know, it was it was just it was frustrating to watch. To be honest, he didn't want to engage at all, and definitely um, Williams won that round because Eubank didn't do anything. Uh, massive credit though to Eubank for timing those jabs to perfection, because we've all been guilty in the past of criticising Eubank's boxing skills, but to time a jab so perfectly that you catch a guy coming in and you drop him as well with with a shot that doesn't look like much, that is skill, and that is certainly improvement on Eubank's behalf. Um, 
So yeah, good stuff from Eubank. Not sure where Williams goes. It's two losses in a row. Um, again, he hasn't been stopped. You know, he hasn't been stopped. He wasn't stopped by Andre, but he was down early. He was hurt. He finished strong here against Eubank. Aside from that dodgy knockdown in the 11th, I guess he finished strong and he was down early again. And so it was kind of like a little bit similar to the Andre fight. But, you know, he's stuck because some people are saying that he's British level. I think he's beyond that. I really think he's a he's a world contender, but I'm not sure what's happened. He, he just seemed to not be taking the punches well. Again, it's a tricky one. And as for Eubank, I heard him say the other day that he could retire and be happy with what he's achieved in boxing. And I, I couldn't believe he'd said that. I mean, this is a guy who has had such a dodgy resume for years and years. I mean, the best win on his record you've got a struggle to find it really i mean was it a uh, james degal who retired in the ring after the after that fight um he had nothing left was it arthur abraham who was well 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 past it and i think retired after that fight was it um was it uh, who's the other guy he boxed um oh god the guy that i think he got injured in like the second round and it was over Ah, uh, I'm so bad with names, but the guy that boxed uh, Charlo to a close fight, I'm going to have to check it out. I've completely forgotten his name. Unbelievable amateur career, but not such a good pro career. Just so, so uh, unlucky the guy was with his pro career, and his name has completely escaped me. Um, who was it? Matty Korobov. Yeah, Matty Korobov. You know, is it against him when, when he injured his shoulder and that fight? You know, he won that fight by hook or by crook. I just don't know. I mean, what is his best win? When he stepped up against George Groves, he lost. When he stepped up against uh, Billy Joe Saunders, he lost. Um, you know, he's he's got some, some really, really dodgy wins on his record. And what he's done so far... You know, he's beaten way past it fighters. I'm not talking about guys that are just over the hill. I'm talking about guys who've retired immediately after that fight. And it's not because of the beating he inflicted on them. So, um, he, you know, he's, he still hasn't won a world title. He has got so much to do. And, you know, oh my lord. I mean, I don't, I couldn't believe he said that. I know he's made enough money. He doesn't need to box for the financial gain. But what he's done resume-wise, I mean, he's not come close to, 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 I don't know. He hasn't made his mark on the sport. He really hasn't. Um, yeah, that was shocking to hear because I don't know what he's in this for. Is it to be a celebrity? He would say no. It's to be a fighter. It's to be a warrior. It's to, you know, follow in his father's footsteps. He hasn't done anything like that just yet. And he's getting on in age now. He needs to do something soon for me. Maybe I'm being harsh. Let me know if you if you, if you you disagree. But he hasn't won a world title. And, he's, he, you know, he's talked about the Triple G fight. It didn't happen. He didn't whatever, he didn't fancy it, the money wasn't right, whatever, the fight didn't happen, Kell Brook stepped in, you know, he talks about the Daniel Jacobs fight, that's a fight that I think was, was about to get made, I think he vacated a title, uh, you know, he, he just hasn't had the fights at the right time, and I don't know what he does next, but it needs to be a big fight, you know, there's people talking about another bum opponent for him, I shouldn't say that, I, I, I take that back, not a bum opponent, but not a world level guy, I mean, this guy, I'd like to see him in with so many guys in the middleweight division, or the super middleweight division, Andrade, Charlo, Triple G, Murata, any of these guys, there's there's contenders that are, that, that are there thereabouts as well, you know, John Ryder, the winner of John Ryder and Danny Jacobs, that's a good fight for him, let's do something, um, anyway, moving on, uh, let's let's talk about the undercard. I almost forgot about the entire undercard for a second there. Um, 
Clarissa Shields with a win. She's now 12-0, a unanimous decision over 10 two-minute rounds against Emma Cosin, who's now 21-1 with a draw. Uh, that one was for the WBC, WBA, IBF, and WBF female middleweight titles. Clarissa Shields now, as I say, 12-0 with two KOs. Um, Savannah Marshall was sat ringside. And it was good to see them two get in each other's face after the fight and hype it up. It was real. It, you know, the beef is genuine. Um, elsewhere on the card, Samuel Antwi with a win now, 14-1. and one, A unanimous decision over 10 against Connor Walker, who's now 10-1 and one with a draw. That one there for the English welterweight title. Chris Jenkins with a win. And I've got to say, it's probably the best win of his career in terms of on paper. He's beaten a former unified world champion, Julius Indongo. So Chris Jenkins now 22 and. Uh, uh, sorry, 23 and 4 with three draws. Julius Indongo now 23 and 5. First time he's lost on points. The other losses all came by a knockout. Harlem Eubank on the undercard now 13 and 0. He was able to beat Viriel Simeon, who's been a test for. Um, for some top fighters, really, Shakur Stevenson, Lee Selby, people like that, um, you know, world-level guys. He's been a test for them, and for Harlem Eubank, it was a step-up again, and he's made Viril Simeon retire on his stall after five rounds, so that's a good look for him, 13-0, and 0, friend of the show. Otto Wallin as well with a win. I mean, this was printing money, in my opinion. He was able to beat, on points, Camille Sokolowski. I mean, that was always the way I felt it was going to go. Otto Wallin now 23-1. and 1. Um, I thought that would happen. I said the Eubank, Chris, uh, sorry, the Eubank and Williams fight would go to distance. I predicted that. Clarissa Shields on points. I predicted that. Um, uh, Wallin on points, as I said. And this one here as well, I predicted correctly. Caroline Dubois to beat Vader Masio Kate on points. That happened as well. Caroline Dubois looked quite good. Very excited for her pro journey. Um, I think she weighed in at lightweight, if I'm not mistaken, for this one. So that means she's right there amongst the best that we have in the country. They're all in those weights. Katie Taylor, uh, you know, um, Katie Taylor, Chantel Cameron... Natasha Jonas, Terry Terry Harper, they're all around kind of lightweight um, and and below and just above. So she's right in the middle of all those fighters. Maybe we can see some great fights down the line, but she is, of course, still very young. Moving out now to the Footprint Center, Phoenix, Arizona, USA. This one over here. Let's talk about the undercard real quick here. Let's start with this one here. Yeah, Jamie Mitchell. She successfully defended her WBA female bantamweight title. She's now 8-0 with two draws. She was able to knock out Carly Skelly in round four. Completely, completely had too much for Skelly, who got hurt pretty much with every big shot that Jamie Mitchell caught her with. Every right hand, she was in trouble. Carly Skelly loses her own now, 4-1 with a draw. Um, you know, massively, massively thrown in the deep end there. And at, any, you know, at no point in the fight did she get a foothold. She was totally blasted out of there, really. Uh, Raymond Ford with a win. Very, very fortunate to get it, mind you. 11-0 with a draw. His promoter, Eddie Hearn, actually said, I'm being honest, I think you lost that fight. Um, but yeah, he won a split decision over 10 rounds against Edward Vasquez, who was undefeated. He's now 11-1. And the main event, Carlos Quadras, now 39-5 with a draw. Um, he took on Jesse Bam Rodriguez, who's now 15-0. He's now the new WBC Super Flyweight World Champion. Uh, the title was vacant. Jesse Rodriguez, I think, had to move up one or two weight divisions for the fight. And he had it on short notice. And Quadras down in round three. I know you saw some of this fight, Eddie, so I'm going to come to you. Jesse Bam Rodriguez is a guy that 
you know people have been talking about for years and years as a future superstar at the lower weights um i've known about him longer than most people obviously some people don't know that he's got um, his brother as well, Joshua Franco, uh, currently a world champion as well. So two brothers, two young guys, two lower weight world champions in one family. Amazing for him. And he looked real good doing it against an old an old veteran like uh, like Quadras. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was an interesting fight for sure. Um, I, I saw parts of it like i you know i was able to you know try to i was doing something and i was coming back and forth to to the fight so i mean i saw i saw the the knockdown that was a nice nice uppercut he landed in the, um yeah, i think it was the fourth round was the fourth round something like that yeah the, the round three round three round three yeah it was it was a it was a good nice little slick shot he looks to be uh a quality a quality guy especially for the future if he's they say so young um like i said i didn't see a bunch of it but i saw some of it and uh, obviously deserving of the win. He is a talented dude. Um, and it's nice to, to be, you know, uh, uh, have, a, have a championship with, with, you know, you have the championship and your brother in the same, and at the same time. That's obviously real cool because me and Steve would have loved to have done that in the past. But, um, yeah, so it's an exciting thing, an exciting future for him and his brother. Yeah, no, it certainly is. And also, I should add that he has become the youngest world champion in boxing as well. Um, his brother, by the way, holds the WBA uh, super flyweight world title. So that one there was for the uh, for the WBC. So um, both brothers at the same weight there holding belts. Obviously, they're not going to end up fighting each other. But yeah, that's amazing for one family there. Um, Joshua Franco's 26, but as I say, uh, Bam Rodriguez... I think he's 22, if I'm not mistaken. So that's amazing for him. I think the previous youngest champion in boxing was Devin Haney, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, great stuff. Amazing. Um, yeah, actually, he's born in 2000. It just makes you feel so old. Um, anyway, moving out now to the Michelob Ultra Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. This one was on Fox Pay-Per-View. Um, let's start with the undercard. We had the young Fernando Vargas Jr. with a win. He's now 5-0 with 5 KOs. A TKO in round 3 against the previously undefeated Cody Koboski, who's now 2-1. He was down in the first round and the third. Um... Elsewhere on the card, a win for Ryan, sorry, not Ryan, Carl, he lost. A win for um, Omar Juarez, who is now 13-1. and one. He, He's, you know, he's a guy that some people won't have heard of. He is a highly touted prospect. However, he lost a shock, um, a shock, I think, I'm not sure if he got stopped now, but he lost the fight. It was a real shock. Um, and yeah, he's bounced back and all the rest of it, and he's just beaten Ryan Carl um, on a split decision over 10 there for the vacant WBC International Welterweight title. So Omar Juarez now 13-1, and one, perhaps one to keep an eye on. Um, Leo Santa Cruz, friend of the show with a win. He was able to beat unanimously over 10 rounds Keenan Carbajal, who's now 23-3 and three with a draw. Leo Santa Cruz now 38-2 and two with a draw. A complete shutout there across the board. Um, Lewis Neri with a win. A lot of people expected him to lose. However, he was the favourite. He was able to beat on a split decision over 10 rounds Carlos Castro, who was down in the first round. Castro loses his O as well. He's now 27 and 1. It was for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Super Bantamweight title. Lewis Neri now 32 and 1. I think coming off that loss to Brandon Figueroa, if I'm not mistaken. Um, moving on to the to the two main fights, I think. Uh, Lucas Santa, Santa Maria with a win now. 
13 and 2 with a draw. He was able to beat Abel Ramos, who's now 27 and 5 with two draws. It was for the vacant WBC Continental America's welterweight title. This guy, Lucas Santa Maria, seems to just be upsetting the odds every single time he gets in the ring. I mean, he gets in there. His, his record isn't pretty, but he's got some good wins and he's been thrown in in the deep end most of the time. You know, he's been in there with Devin Alexander, been in there with Michael Fox, guys that are friends of the show. And, um, you know he's he's been he's been very very hard to 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 beat he's a very tough guy um and yeah once again he pulls off another great win here um and he was in a bit of trouble early on he overcome that and and finished strong um yeah so that's that one and now the main event Keith Furman with a win now 30 and 1 a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Mario Barrios now 26 and 2 of course two losses in a row now for Barrios one to Javante Davis by KO in round 11 this one on points to Furman a very different kind of fight compared to the Davis fight the Davis fight a fight he was controlling so well then of course the power um, of Javante caught up with Mario Barrios this time he didn't really get a foothold in the fight he completely lost pretty much every round um he wasn't able to do anything and Keith Furman coming off that two and a half years out the ring actually looked quite good for it way better than I thought he'd look I thought he'd be pacing himself I don't think that happened at all he looked very comfortable in there at all times um Barrios as we know very very tough took many big shots in there but wasn't really able to get going at any point and I'm I'm devastated for him because I'm a good friend of Barrios's he was obviously on the show last week as well um, yeah, quite sad to see him take that much of a beating. But Furman, for me, um, you know, came back with a bit of a bang. Not literally, because obviously he didn't get the knockout or anything like that. But, you know, he still has the movement that, that he had. You know, that's the thing about Keith Furman. He could fight on the outside, he could fight on the inside, and he was a great mover. And also, he could punch, like, you know, punch well with both hands. Um, but no, he still had the movement, the fleet of foot, and I was very impressed as well with his legs, considering that inactivity. He didn't look rusty like he did when he came back against, um, against uh, I think it was Carras or whatever. Um, you know, he looked very rusty that time, but he didn't look rusty here, and it was a great boxing display, and he completely dominated Barrios, which I did not think had happened. I thought the fight would go to distance, I said that, but I thought that Barrios could perhaps nick it. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure where Barrios goes. It's another tough one. I mean, it's his first fight at the weight. He's been moving up in weight so much. Um, I mean, there's plenty of guys at welterweight. I mean, I'd love to see him in with Josh Kelly. How about that fight? That's a great fight there. Keith Thurman, though, um, I don't think he's what he was. I don't think he is what he was just because he hasn't been getting those knockouts on a regular basis anymore. But I think he's certainly right up there. I don't think I'd pick him to beat... Spence or Crawford, I don't think I'd pick him to to maybe beat uh, Ugas, but it's a good fight with him and Ugas actually, and there's a lot of guys just underneath that kind of level that um, that he'd be a good fight for. I'd like to see him in with someone like a Mean Machine, someone like a David Avenesian. These are all good fights. This is the kind of level I'm talking about here. But anyway, that's it for that one. Moving out now to the final card to mention. It took place at the Austin. Um, the Austin State University friend of the show, Tyler Tomlin, with a TKO win in round two against Charlie Serrano, who's now 16 and 7 with two draws. So, Tyler Tomlin, 13 and 0, friend of the show. All the best to him. That is it, though, for the review part of the show. The final thing for me to do before we wrap up part one is to welcome this week's special guest.
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated former WBO featherweight world champion and reigning WBO super featherweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Mr. Shakur Stevenson. Shakur, welcome back on the show, my friend. It's been a little while. What's good? What's good? Yeah, it's been a minute. Certainly has. It's great to have you back on. Last time we spoke was in um, February of 2020, so uh, right before the coronavirus outbreak. At the time, you were actually scheduled to fight uh, Miguel Mariaga, the fight that never happened. Since then, a lot has happened. You've moved up in weight. You've become a two-weight world champion. Uh, you put on a boxing clinic last time out against Jamel Herring. But perhaps more important than all of that, your newest title isn't anything to do with boxing. Your newest title is Daddy. Tell me what fatherhood is like for you, champ. I mean, it's definitely a, a different kind of experience. Um, I'm enjoying the experience. I do not want to get ready and go to camp and leave home and leave my daughter. But uh, it's definitely been a great experience. You know, um, it's definitely it's definitely like different at the end of the day. You know, you got to make bottles and you got to care for a whole dude life that's like, you know, that you created. So at the end of the day, it's um, definitely is a great experience. It's a great experience. Excellent, man. I'm very happy for you. Um, I saw you tweet that due to having a daughter, it's made you even hungrier than ever before, which if I was in your weight division would scare me to death. Uh, let's let's get back to the boxing. I touched on your win over Jamel Herring last time out. Just give me a couple words on that fight. Shakur, you put on an absolute masterclass performance. Yeah, I think that uh, I fought great that night. I feel like it was a great night. Um, I still think that I could do better than that. I feel like that was um, that was a great performance, but I still got a lot more in me. I feel like nobody's seen the best of me yet, and I feel like um, I'm just happy to be able to perform like that against a champion and then get into another fight with another champion. And um, I'm happy, and I'm still hungry and motivated. Yeah, I mean, like I say, the performance was unbelievable. Uh, you were able to unload and not get hit clean. Um, it was actually educational, I'd say. That display of skills was educational. Um, I, I really enjoyed the performance. For me, I felt you were probably the best young fighter of 2021. I love the fact that you're starting this year off with a big fight also. Uh, let's talk about it. April 30th, this unification against the WBC champion Oscar Valdez. Somebody's oh must go. How do you see the fight playing out Shakur Valdez looked amazing against Bichelle but not so great against Robson Concesau I think that you know there's levels to, to this you know I feel like um Oscar Valdez is a great champion you have to respect him he's undefeated never lost before he always found a way to win but he's going against somebody that you know was confident in themselves they believe in themselves they're going to train hard they're going to come in shape and I feel like you know I'm the better fighter and I feel like I'm going to just smash him. And i got to ask you this, because last time out, there was so many question marks with his fight with Concesau. Was it going to go ahead? There was reportings of, uh, you know, like a foul drug test on his end. Is that a concern on your part going in here? Is there going to be VADA testing? What can you tell us about that delicate situation? Yeah, from far as I know, uh, we're definitely going to get him on VADA. Uh, we're going to try to make sure that he's taking his test and... Uh, it's going to be a clean fight. That's all. That's what I'm looking forward to, a clean fight. Uh, I don't want no team going on. I feel like uh, he got caught. He still, you know, might try to cheat, being that he's fighting against somebody my caliber. But uh, we're going to try to do everything to prevent that. But at the end of the day, we're going to the ring to do what we do. 
And Shakur, um, the the negotiations, you know, for the fight to take place, there was a lot of back and forth. You were saying, you know, sign the contract, sign the contract. Are we or are you, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Are you in the know about where the fight could potentially end up location-wise? Obviously, as fans, we don't know anything yet about that. Yeah, uh, most likely the MGM in Vegas. Okay, okay, that would be great. Excellent. And obviously the... F- Sorry, go on, Chico. I go. You, you go. Go ahead. Now, I was going to say the fight could have obviously took place at one twenty-six. I remember asking you about the possibility of that fight taking place a few years ago, and although I couldn't see you over the phone, I could hear you smiling when I asked you about it because you said something along the lines of certain people don't want that fight to take place. Now the fight is happening. Why do you think those same people now are open to that fight happening after all this time? I think that right now, you know, he got a new team. I think he's with Eddie Reynoso and, and Canelo team. I feel like most likely it's his team that's pushing for the fight. I feel like he got a great team behind him. And I don't think that they duck anybody. They're not the type of team that wants to duck or be known as um, ducking the fighter. So I think that most likely they talked him into fighting. Me personally, that's what I feel. And I feel like, uh, you know, having like somebody like Canelo who fights everybody and anybody, um, in your ear telling you you have to take this fight. There's something you have to do for your legacy. Um, I feel like that's what's going on on their side. That's why I feel like the fight is happening now. And I respect their team, but, you know, their team going against a, a great boxing mind, and they will come up short. And you tweeted a couple of weeks ago, sorry to say it again, but after April 30th, pound for pound, please. I wanted to ask, what did you mean by that, Shakur? <laughs> I say put me on a pound for pound list. I feel like, you know, um I'm, I'm what am I? Seventeen and 0, uh going against uh Oscar Valdez right at the fight and Jamel Heron. Oscar Valdez is an undefeated fighter. I feel like um we haven't yet to see any of them four kings fight like a undefeated fighter who's unification bout and, and, and actually somebody fighting that they fight somebody that's in a prom. Like, I, I have yet to see, like, a, any of them four kings that they call four kings fight anybody like that. And coming off the fight with Jamel Heron back-to-back and fighting the Oscar Valdez, I feel like I deserve to be on the power of balance. I feel like even if you don't have me in the top five, I'm cool with that. I feel like I definitely deserve to be touching that power for talent. Yeah, I mean, at after the- this fight. Yeah, at the, at the end of 2021, we you know, at the end of every year, we ask our listeners to send in their own top 10 pound-for-pound pound lists. Myself and my co-host, Eddie Chambers, go through the list. A few lists did already have you on there, so I think, you know, you've, you've already earned to be right up there, and beating Valdez definitely cements it, in my opinion. Um, I have to ask you about this. I absolutely have to. Your mandatory challenger, when it's called, is a man from the UK, uh, obviously where I'm from. You've had some back and forth with him on social media, Archie Sharp. I don't know what you've seen of him, Shakur, but I really like that style clash, knowing you both as fighters. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you, but um, I got to be real at the end of the day. I, I got to keep it real with you. I feel like he sucks. I feel like he is not a good fighter. I feel like he's not even the best fighter over from England that's in my weight class. I feel like if you ask me, um, what's the kid name that was in the Olympics with me? He's more of a threat than the Archie Shark, if I'm being honest with you. Um, Joe Cordina. Okay. I think Cordina is a way better fighter than Archie Shark. I feel like 
Uh, if they fought right now, I feel like Joe Cardena watches them, man. Uh, you know, that would be an easy fight for somebody like Joe Cardena. So, I got to be honest with you. I feel like he's not that good of a fighter. I feel like he talks a lot, and he's biting off more than he can chew. I feel like I want to see him actually fight somebody. I, I want to see him in a real fight. Let him fight Jamel or somebody. I feel like Jamel will probably beat him up. I don't feel like that dude is a good fighter, if I'm being honest with you. I appreciate your honesty. Time will tell. But, yeah, you're right. We all want to see him in a big fight. Uh, I think it will probably happen in 2022. We shall see what happens. Man, watch out for Joe Cardina, man. That's the best fighter in the U.K. from 130. I feel like that'd be, that's going to be the big fight for for me later on down the line. In the U.K., I'll do it. Just because, you know, I would love to fight in the U.K. But I think Joe Cardina is the better fighter, if you ask me. Okay, that's interesting, man. Okay. Um, we'd love to have you over here, of course. Um, you won your belt, Shakur, at 126. You moved up straight away. You didn't defend it. You've dethroned Jamel Herring. Obviously, you're staying at 130 for the unification with Valdez. But how soon do you think we'll see you up at lightweight in the mix with the likes of Garcia, uh, Haney, Davis, Lopez, Lomachenko, the man with the most belts, Cambosos? A lot of people think you'd beat all of these guys. Um, you know, uh, I feel like it'll happen. I'm not in no rush. I feel like I still could make 130. Uh, I might be getting a little bit bigger, but um, I I think I want all the belts at 130. Like I want to at least try to get all the belts if um we can get them fighters to get in the ring. So after this fight, we're gonna uh well I I I gotta handle business first. That's what we'll talk about. You know, after this fight, I think that I want all the belts at 130. So we got to see if I could still make that weight and if I can. Um, I'm gonna do it, but I don't. I, I don't feel like none of them guys even fighting each other. I don't see why would they even want to fight me. So that's 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 how I feel about that. They don't. They not even fighting each other. Why would they even think about getting in the ring with somebody as good as me? Yeah, I think Tiafimo Lopez obviously fighting Cambosos and Lomachenko. He seems to be the guy that wants to fight. Uh, you know, all the yeah, other guys. The only, yeah, yeah, he's the only one that's actually getting in the ring and fighting other people but um other than that them guys not even fighting each other it's hard for them to make a, a fight against each other and i know how good i am skillfully how hard i am to beat and how hard i am to hit um i don't think none of them guys will be in line to, to fight me i don't think they will even want to fight me at this point in their career okay but you know either way your your career the future just looks unbelievable it's so exciting and just finally Shakur before I let you go if you've got any closing message particularly to your fans here in the UK you teased us there saying you'd come over to fight Cordina we'd love to have you over here just give us a lasting message before we let you go my friend Uh, I love the UK fan I feel like they got some of the best fans in boxing um I would love to come over there and fight um not just once but a couple times anytime that I can I feel like that's a a big marketing thing, and that's a uh, they, they appreciate boxing over there. So uh, I love the UK fans. Uh, I would love to come over there and fight. I wouldn't come over there to fight Archie Sharp. I don't think he's as good as uh, a fighter for me to even come over there and fight him. But uh, I would love to come over there and fight somebody that's good and give y'all a great show. Absolutely. Listen, Shakur, it's been amazing catching up with you again. Thank you for your time. Best of luck April 30th, and we'll hopefully speak again after the fight, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Let's start this here with the fact that John O'Carroll, friend of the show, will be the co-main event out in Dubai on March the 18th. It's a Friday. Um, I'm not sure if his... Yeah, his, his fight has been announced. He's taken on a guy called Serif Good... Oh, Lord Lord Almighty, help me. Gerdijel Jack is the guy's name. Serif Gerdijel Jack. Um, yeah, that's going to be on the, uh, the fight's being, um, headlined by Estelle Mosley. That's the IBO lightweight, uh, female world champion. I think that's the wife of Tony Yoker, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, she tops the bill, but on the, the co-main, uh, it's going to be John O'Carroll. I just want to have a little look at this guy, he's fighting his record, because I haven't heard of him quite clearly. My pronunciation was absolutely dreadful, um, yeah, this guy, 21 and 6, 8 KOs, um, lost his last fight by a KO, okay, he boxed a guy called Alex Rat. I don't know who that is, but um, that's a funny one, but no, I don't think he's going to have anything to trouble John O'Carroll, um, okay, moving on, uh, next piece of news is that Oshiki Foster, who's a guy that has been around all the gyms really in America, a guy that I've heard a lot about, very good sparer, I've heard. Um, I think he's got one or two losses or a couple draws, some kind of um, blemishes on his pro record. But um, anyway, he gets in with a guy who's undefeated called Mohamed Kuja um, Yakubov, who was actually ranked number one in the Super uh, super featherweight WBO rankings. He was actually ranked number one in place to take on the winner of Shakur Stevenson and um, and Jamel Herring. Obviously, um, Jamel Herring lost the title. Shakur became champion. Then Archie Sharp had a fight and and overtook him in the rankings. So Yakubov isn't number one anymore. But he's in a very tough fight here against Oshiki Foster, and it's taking place in uh, in Dubai again. That's Saturday the nineteenth of March. So that's going to be. Um, the day after the the Carol, uh, the Carol fight. Um, in other news, we have the fact that it's now official. Jamel Charlo gets in with Brian Castagno. That is for the undisputed title rematch. Again, that is March nineteenth from the Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles. Um, so it's going to be good to see those guys get it on because it was very close the first fight. A lot of people was split on who they felt won the fight. Liam Williams, off the back of losing to Eubank, has signed a promotional deal with Probellum. So, um, yeah, they are making waves, I've got to say. And also, they're the people that's putting on this fight with um, with with Oshiki Foster and Yakubov and also the John O'Carroll fight. So they've been all over the news this week, Probellum, the company uh, spearheaded by Richard Schaefer. Um, also, another news from, from Probellum, they have signed heavyweight Ivan Daiko, who um, you know was a very good amateur. Mixed it with some great fighters: Anthony Joshua, Zili Zhang, Tony Yoka, Joe Joyce, Sergei Kuzmin, Erislandi Savon. Uh, many, many guys, many, many, many guys in the in the amateurs. And as a pro, um, he's he's um, eleven and zero with eleven KOs. So they've signed him, Probellum. Um, so yeah, they are making moves. Um, elsewhere, they've also signed the McGraw brothers, Peter and Joe McGraw, both signed to Probellum as well. Uh, that's that's another thing there. Um, Errol Spence against your Dennis Ugas officially set for April 16th for the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas as well. Um, 
It's a bit old, that news there. And the final piece of news is that Sonny Edwards has also signed for Probellum. So, yeah, that is fantastic as well. So they are signing just about everybody. You never know, Eddie. You could even have a chance of them sending you a contract. We shall see. (laughs) I would love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, though, for the news. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here with a card that takes place tomorrow night at the York Hall Bethnal Green, London. Over here, we have uh, Lee McGregor, 11-0. and 0. He takes on Diego Alberto Ruiz, who's 23-4. and 4. I'm interested to see how McGregor looks, because last time out, he didn't look fantastic when he got in with, um, oh my God, with the guy, oh, the for the European title, wasn't it? The, um, the Frenchman, Vi- uh, Vincent Legrand. He didn't look great, even though, you know, Legrand had quite a padded record, but he was undefeated. I don't know how good he really is, but he was down, wasn't he, in that fight? And, and, and he was he was down quite hard off of not much of a shot. And it was a weird stoppage, if I remember correctly. So he gets in with Diego Ruiz, um, as I say, 23-4. and four. Only stopped one time as well, but last time out, lost on points to highly uh, touted prospect Shabazz Massoud. His one knockout loss came to Michael Conlon, who's not much of a puncher, but can be quite relentless. Um, he hasn't got any fantastic wins either, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a decent fight. Uh, obviously, Lee McGregor, the clear favourite, and I, I'm not, I think it's probably the main event. Um, Danny Dignam, 13-0 with one draw, gets in with Grant Dennis, who's 17-3, that one over 10 rounds there for the WBO European middleweight title. Um, moving out to the big one, I'd love to have been there, I really would, uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's a card here. On the undercard, Johnny Fisher, 4-0, he gets in with Gabriel Anguma, who is 10 and 11. He's a Spaniard. Uh, this one, by the way, is at the Alexandra Palace. It's, it's going to be on the zone. Um, elsewhere on the card, Austin Williams, 9 and 0. I was really surprised to see him on this card because remember he went a bit crazy for a while last year. He said he wants to, I think, kill Eddie Hearn and beat him up and stuff like this. And Eddie Hearn's flown him over and he's now going to be on the undercard in London. Um, anyway, he gets in with Javier Francisco Maciel, who's 33 and 15. I think he's coming off about nine losses in a row. You've got Hopi Price, 6-0 in an eight-rounder against Ricardo Roman, who's 14-12 and with three draws. You've got Ellie Scottney, who's 3-0. She gets in with Georgelina Guanini, who's 9-3 with two draws. That's over 10 two-minute rounds there. That is for the vacant WBA um, intercontinental super bantamweight female title. Unless I'm very much mistaken, I think this girl used to be a world champion, actually, um, uh, I think it might have been one of the lower weights. Yeah, she was world champion at Superfly, and this one is at Super Bantam. Okay. Um, anyway, moving on. Felix Cash, 14-0 and in a 10-rounder here against Magomed Madiev, who's 15-0 and with two draws. That one there for the WBC International Middleweight title. Coming off a brilliant win last time out, Felix Cash, when he knocked out Denzel Bentley. It's almost a year ago, though. He's failed to kind of you know, build on that momentum he had. He gets in with this Russian here, who, as I said, is undefeated. Um, Again, looked through his record. He's got a couple draws. Hasn't really boxed anyone that I've heard of or anything like that. Um, You know, looking at his amateur record, I want to see how deep that is. I'm not so sure it's that deep either. So uh, we'll see. You never know with these Russians. You, You know, they've all got these names that sound a bit scary. Magomed Madiev could be like a killer. Or he could just not. So we'll have to see on the night. I don't know much else about the guy. But two guys that I do know a lot about. Cher, 
the main event. It's going to be former middleweight world champion Daniel Jacobs, the Miracle Man, 37-3, and three, getting in with John Ryder, 30-5, and five, over 12 rounds there. No belt on the line. I think it's some kind of final eliminator or some kind of eliminator, I should say. I uh, don't want to be held accountable saying it's a final eliminator. But um, John Ryder, friend of the show, obviously pulling for him to get the win. However, it's a massive step up. Um, you know, hasn't... Hasn't boxed since um, since September, which isn't too bad. And Danny Jacobs, as I said, hasn't boxed since uh, since November of 2020, when he arguably lost on points in front of no crowd to Gabe Rosado. You know, and he has not looked good since moving up to super middleweight. I said it. You know, he moved up after the Canelo fight. He looked very good against Canelo. It was a really good fight. He pushed Canelo kind of close compared to everyone else. And then he moved up, had the fight with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., a fight that he wasn't looking good in. I think Chavez on my card was probably winning the fight. And then he quit on his corner. You know, he quit in the corner for no good reason, it looked like. Um... Then he comes back and has the, the split decision win over Gabe Rosado. Could have lost that fight. And now he gets in after, um, you know, a year and a few months out the ring. He gets in with John Ryder. Um, obviously, I'm hoping, like I say, for John Ryder to win. But you've got to favor Danny Jacobs here just on the credibility alone. You know, the, the, guy, the guy has got the resume, hasn't he? He's beaten some great fighters along the way. Only got the three losses, obviously, to Canelo, to Triple G. Both of those fights were close. Some people felt he even beat Triple G and then that knockout years and years ago to Dimitri Pirog. But other than that, I mean, some of the wins this guy's gathered in his in his career are, are really good wins. You know, Sergio Mora, Peter Quillin, uh, guys like that, Luis Arias, um, Derevianchenko. He took his O, close fight again, Selecki, you know, Chavez. You know, this guy has certainly got the much deeper resume. John Ryder, I think the highlight of his career was probably that that very close fight with with Callum Smith. You know, it's been a while. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough fight, this for John Ryder. But hopefully he wins and hopefully he goes on to get a world title fight off the back of this win. We'll see. But I'll certainly be tuned in. It's going to be a great, great fight. You've got to watch this as well, Eddie. It's going to be good, I think. And the final card to mention, it takes place at the, at the Ponds Forge Arena in Sheffield. Just one fight I want to mention. Um, heavyweight Cash Alley gets out once again. 20-1 and one, his record. Still got that one loss which he was disqualified when he bit David Price in some kind of terrible attempt at being Mike Tyson. Um, he fights in a 10-rounder. No opponent just yet for him. He's just building up all these wins. You know, he, he, he lost his O to David Price. Since then, he's boxed pretty much cab drivers. He's been building up this record. He spars some good fighters. I'm hearing that behind closed doors, he's a very good fighter, but I just don't know what the hell's happening with the guy 20 and 1 and it was a disqualification loss you know he hasn't you know he hasn't really fought anyone aside from price and i just don't know what the what the goal is here is it just to pad up the record and not fight for any belt whatsoever i mean why hasn't he gone for the british title i don't understand it i really don't understand it but anyway that's it we're gonna we're gonna end on that that is it for the preview part of the show the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds 
Okay, and this wraps up episode 330 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest on this week's podcast, the undefeated two-weight world champion Shakur Stevenson. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. There has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. It's been rescheduled. We're going to see John Real Casemiro defend his WBO world bantamweight title against our very own Paul Butler. A friend of the show. It's going down in Liverpool on April 22nd, a Friday evening. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.